back to the Frontier Freedom Hour with Jeff Hunt, sponsored by Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. Here's Jeff Hunt. Well, over the 4th of July weekend, I'm sure you were out having a great time, barbecuing with friends. Our kids were at the pool. This case came down from a federal district court, Missouri v. Biden, absolutely essential to the protection of the free speech rights of all Americans. But let me list list out what they were challenging. This came from the plaintiffs, which included the Attorney General's Office from Missouri, Louisiana, as well as directly harmed parties. Plaintiffs allege that defendants, that is the federal government, suppressed conservative-leaning free speech, such as suppressing the Hunter Biden laptop story prior to the 2020 presidential election, suppressing speech about the lab leak theory of COVID's 19 origin, suppressing speech about the efficiency of masks and COVID-19 lockdowns, suppressing speech about the efficiency of COVID-19 vaccines, suppressing speech about election integrity in the 2020 presidential election, suppressing speech about the security of voting by mail, suppressing parody content about defendants that's making fun of elected officials, suppressing negative posts about the economy, suppressing negative posts about President Biden. So this is what was being suppressed by our federal government in cooperation with social media companies. And I'm talking today with Todd Scott, who's the senior counsel for the Missouri Attorney General's Office. Todd, what were some of the facts that you found in this case when you were when when you were doing discovery and you found out what was actually taking place? Help our listeners understand actually how the federal government was suppressing free speech. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. That's a really interesting story. As I mentioned before, we were given uh, preliminary discovery. It was very. Uh, it wasn't full merits discovery, but we got enough discovery to get under the hood, as it were, and we received thousands and thousands of pages of government emails and and deposed several witnesses. The story that came out was probably far worse than we could have imagined. We knew from public statements that the government was uh, in some sort of relationship with big tech companies to censor speech that they didn't approve of. When we opened up the hood and we really got into the mechanics of how that worked, it was uh, Orwellian is the, the term that the court has used, and I think that's exactly right. It, it looked at different in different departments, but let me give you a couple of examples. When the Biden administration took over uh, in January of uh, 2021, within perhaps hours of taking office, they began to email various tech companies and to highlight, as you mentioned, parody accounts. Uh, apparently, apparently, your government has no real sense of humor, so if you joke about them or you joke about uh, the first lady, or you joke about the president, or you say something uh, even in parody, that's not allowed. And so they were reaching out to try to get those things stopped. Well, the the censorship also was targeting very specific areas. Chief among those, as you mentioned, was the COVID-19 uh, outbreak. There was an official narrative that had been developed by the White House and the CDC and the World Health Organizations, and a lot of people, you know, from uh, Ivy League universities that decided what would be proper and what would be allowed for the American people to believe and to discuss. And if you violated, if you went outside that approved narrative, 
you were then targeted for for suppression. You mentioned there are some private plaintiffs involved in our lawsuit. Uh, attorneys general don't represent uh, private entities typically. We represent our state. The people of Missouri, for example, are, are the client we have. But there are two plaintiffs, three plaintiffs actually, that are that have private counsel, and they are well-educated. Harvard, Stanford-educated PhDs, scientists, people who are experts in the field. And when they went out and signed on to what was called the Great Barrington Declaration, which was a statement by scores of well-educated scientists around the world that, that deviated from the narrative that COVID uh, – well, there was a, there was a, we don't have time to get into all of what the narrative was, but we knew what, what they tried to say was outside the official narrative. Uh, they were banned, as you mentioned. There were there was word that went from the White House out to the big tech companies, and it was very explicit that these noted scientists should not be allowed to speak freely. Also, at the at the, um, the Department of Health, one of the sub agencies, the uh, the national, if I get this right, the National Institutes for Allergies and Infectious Diseases, headed by Dr. Fauci, his boss, Dr. Collins, uh, called for a quick and devastating takedown of this Barrington Declaration and these American citizens, well-qualified, Harvard-educated in some cases, they were not allowed to opine on COVID if it didn't meet the narrative the government had picked. That was one area. There were a number of other areas. You get into uh, one of the ones that was the most chilling to me was when our team deposed a senior FBI agent assigned to the uh, basically the San Francisco field office. And as you recall, Silicon Valley, San Francisco, is where all of the big tech companies are housed, where, where their headquarters are. What we uncovered in, in our investigation, you also have the Twitter files being released by Elon Musk. When you put that narrative together, we found that the FBI had, a, had teams of agents that were meeting with the big tech companies for months, monthly, and then weekly as the 2020 election uh, drew near. And over and over, they were warning them about the risk of, quote, Russian hack and leak operations. Russian hack and leak, hack and leak. And they drilled this into their head month after month, week after week. In June, something interesting happened right there in your home state of Colorado, in Aspen, Colorado. The Aspen Institute hosted a tabletop exercise in June of 2020, about four months prior to the election. In which, if you read the the notes, and you know those are publicly available, it was almost if there was a Venn diagram of their tabletop and the Hunter Biden laptop leak story as it actually occurred, they the, the Venn diagram was almost a complete match. The FBI had had the laptop for a year. They knew it was authentic. They knew it was not Russian disinformation. Yet they groomed the big tech companies to believe that there would be a a large document dump of Russian disinformation on the eve of the election. When that happened, I believe it was on October the 13th, when news came that the New York Post would be releasing a story about the Hunter Biden laptop, the FBI, we allege, and we believe we are on solid ground to allege, they sprang into action. They had prepared the big tech companies. They sent word that this was it. This is what we've warned you about. We have sworn statements by the big tech folks that they were told by the federal law enforcement that the hunter that the story could involve a leak about Hunter Biden. When it happened on the 14th of October, they moved forward. They censored the story, and 
the millions of Americans who never had that critical piece of information prior to a presidential election in November of 2020, um, if you want to talk about, we hear a lot about uh, misinformation and election interference. I think that if someone wants to write about that story, the Hunter Biden laptop is where they should start. It's amazing how coordinated it all was. I mean, and not only to put pressure on particular stories, this comes from the Wall Street Journal editorial board. The private intimidation was amplified by public threats to use antitrust action and regulation if tech companies didn't follow orders. Orders. That's right. I mean, that, that, that word there, didn't follow orders from the federal government when it comes to elections. I mean, it, 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 it sounds, and you don't have to get into this, and I understand there, there's legal issues here, but it sounds like the federal government was coordinating to influence elections. Well, I think you just read the, the public documents we filed. Um, and in fact, at one point, the judge, uh, he, he begged both sides to stop filing briefs because he says there's nothing brief about it. Basically, what we were fighting were um, filing were amounted to novels, hundreds and hundreds and cumulatively thousands of pages. So the public record is out there. But I, I think everyone who has, has time would do well to take a look at some of the things that have been filed. But I will say something you mentioned about, and I don't want to get too wonky here, but what kind of club did the government use to right. to threaten these social media companies? It gets down to a relatively obscure part of federal law called Section 220, and it is it was established many years ago, and it's a legal liability shield. And it basically says that if, if someone goes out and puts something out on Facebook, uh, Facebook is not legally liable if somebody says something, you know, something crazy. Well, I understand the policy background why that was done back, I believe, in the 90s. That has become a multi-billion dollar uh, asset to these large tech companies because it has allowed them to grow and to be the very the large, the giant companies that they are because of this shelter that the federal government has provided. Why that's relevant is when when the federal government now wants to get their attention, you know what they do? They go out and they start threatening that Section 220 protection. And we have, if you read our filings, there is a long string of government officials threatening to do away with Section uh, 220 if the big tech companies don't comply. Friends, we're talking with Todd Scott, senior counsel to the Missouri Attorney General's office about Missouri v. Biden. Came out on the 4th of July and is a great resetting of our nation when it comes to our free speech rights and what the federal government can do with regards to coordinating, particularly with social media companies, to censor speech that they don't like. When we come back from this commercial break, we're going to deal with the consequences of this. This is just one step of a much larger journey. And if you've been in Colorado, you know this. You know with Jack Phillips, you know with Lori Smith, that this takes a long time to work through until it gets to the U.S. Supreme Court. Will this case go to the Supreme Court? Is the Biden administration going to fight it? Do they want that power and control? Of course they do. So they're going to likely file an appeal. What will that look like? What are the next steps? And how do we continue to protect our fundamental constitutional rights. This is Jeff Hunt on the Frontier Freedom Hour. We'll be right back.